0: Okay, guys, I've been working on this episode for quite a while now. I was asked to put something together that would benefit anybody who has ADHD. And it's definitely been a challenge, but I think that I was able to do some really good research here. And while I definitely do relate to some of the symptoms of this disorder, I don't personally have it. Now, because of this, I had to approach the content a little bit differently. I usually do rely mostly off of my life experience and whatever research I'm doing at the time. So in this episode, I'm I'm mostly relying on research done by the experts. So I do know quite a few people who struggle with ADHD, and I do know that it's a pretty common disorder. So if I can provide value to all of you guys, I would love to do so. Um, Even if you don't have ADHD, you you probably know someone who does. So hopefully I can also help spread some awareness. This shouldn't be confused for medical advice, obviously. I'm not a doctor and I can't prescribe any treatment. Um, What I can do is research. I'm mostly self-educated and I've done quite a bit of that. I've definitely put more work into this episode than I have any other in the past. Um, And in cases where I do have personal experience with something, I will lean into that as much as I can. But the majority of this content, like I said, is coming from professionals who have devoted their lives to studying it and also the word of individuals that I know who have found some ways to cope with it. So this still feels a little bit disorganized, and there is a lot of information in here, but I'm just gonna kinda throw it at you. Some of it's very well organized, some of it's really not. It's more of a bullet point kind of thing, so I'm just gonna gonna throw it at you and hope for the best. And if you have ADHD, that randomness shouldn't be too much of a problem, so let's see what happens. Let's get into it. What exactly is ADHD? It stands for Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder. It can manifest in quite a few different ways, but in general, it causes individuals to have a difficult time focusing, regulating their impulses, and keeping track of routine things like time management and scheduling. Again, there's much more to it than we could possibly have time for today, but I do want to give you a basic overview and outline some strategies for managing the symptoms. It's common for those who have the disorder to be thought of as lazy and unmotivated, but it's just as common for them to be seen as excessively hyper and uncontrollable. Not everybody completely agrees on what exactly is going on in the brain to cause these issues, but all of the experts do seem to agree that there are real physical explanations for the symptoms. So it's not a behavior problem, it's a a biology problem. And in the past, it was believed that it wasn't so much a disorder as a personality issue. Everybody blamed the person or they said that the parents failed to discipline them or that the kids were overstimulated by television and video games or they eat too much sugar and whatever other BS people come up with. And those excuses are still used, but it's also extremely common for everyone to think that the person is just lazy, dumb, or defiant. None of the real research we have actually supports that whatsoever. You can go to the... Um, CDC's website, the Center for Disease Control, and they explicitly state that none of the assumptions that I just listed are anything more than myths. They say that while environmental factors may contribute, there's just not enough scientific evidence to support it. As far as we can tell, there's a wiring issue somewhere in the brain, and it is creating tangible problems. So it's not anybody's fault. This implies a couple of things that we should stop to consider. First, let's get rid of the idea that ADHD is anybody's fault, like I just said. If somebody is born with lung issues, nobody's going to call that person lazy for not being a top athlete. If somebody is born with an autoimmune disease, they're not going to be criticized for their health struggles. When the issue is physical health, we get to work trying to heal the body, but too often we treat mental illness like it's a choice. You're not lazy if you struggle to fit into society who is wired differently. The first thing I wanna point out is that you are not lazy or, dumb, if you struggle to fit into a society of people who are wired very differently than you. Second, there, since there is a physical component, that means that there are certain things you can do to overcome it, to change that physiology. And it may be a challenge, but with some lifestyle changes, you can really turn things around for yourself. Now, attention deficit is a bit of a misleading term. What happens is that when you have ADHD, you have a difficult time focusing on any one thing. This isn't because you don't have the ability to focus, it's because your brain has a really tough time choosing what to focus on. For most people, it's not too terribly difficult to prioritize the things in our environment. We may notice the fly buzzing around the room, but we're able to push that aside and focus on the conversation with our friend. The ceiling fan may be annoying, but it doesn't take up more of our attention than the semester final exam that's in front of us. Our socks might be a little bit too tight, but they don't necessarily overwhelm our attention while we're driving and cause us to have an accident. With ADHD, however, it's different. The the ADHD brain has a really difficult time prioritizing what is happening to them. The reticular activating system, or the RAS, is responsible for filtering out all the information coming in as part of your brain. And it's to to make sure that we focus on what's most important. And we've talked about this before in in the podcast, just not in this context, but the sheer amount of data that's bombarding our brains every second would be completely overwhelming if we didn't have this filter in place. And that's basically what's happening with the ADHD person. Um, that's what they're up against. They're dealing with everything happening all at once. And it's difficult to focus on anything when you're equally focused on everything. They tend to get distracted very easily and will run away with any random thought that pops into their head without even realizing that they're drifting off. And like I said, that can look a little bit differently for different people, though. For some, it's that crazy off-the-wall energy that we think of in Disruptive Children, but for others, it's more subtle and it looks kind of like spaciness and lack of attention and an inability to keep one's life in order. So often those who are diagnosed with ADHD have spent their entire lives being told that they're lazy, that they're dumb, that they're bad, or whatever else. And it's difficult to behave in school when your mind is moving 10 times faster than everybody else's, but you don't have the tools to focus it. And that's kind of what I'm driving at is that you need different tools than the average person does. And those tools are not typically taught, unfortunately. Now, usually people with ADHD can seem to have an almost superhuman ability to focus on particular things, but they have a hard time choosing when to apply that ability. If it's something that they're interested in, they'll get so wrapped up in it that they'll accomplish more in two hours than most people could do in a whole day. So it's not as simple as an inability to focus, it's more that their brains are just not wired to focus on things that they don't care about or that they don't find interesting. And that's not really too crazy of a thing when you think about it though. We're all wired to pay attention to what's interesting and stimulating. The difference between the average person and those struggling with this disorder is that in the average brain, we can force ourselves to lock onto something, even if we consider it boring. We can motivate ourselves to stay on track. The neurotransmitter of dopamine is responsible for that. It's responsible for that that feeling of seeking after reward. It gives us that desire to do something, and people with ADHD, their dopamine levels are low. So for any human being anywhere in the universe, if you have a shortage of any of the important chemicals that your brain needs to function properly, you're going to have a difficult time in the world. You're, you're just going to have a difficult time in life. That's, that's not unique to this disorder. And a lot of times with mental health issues, that is the case. There, there's a shortage of some kind of chemical or there's too much of it. So the, the ADHD mind is running differently. And we have to accept this, and we have to develop strategies for life that lean into our strengths and shore up our weaknesses. Now, this barely even begins to scratch the surface of what ADHD is. There's so much research out there to dive into, but at the same time, there's also a shortage of answers. Society has spent so long believing that ADHD wasn't a disorder. It was just a bad kid or a lazy adult who needs more discipline. And we even still make that same mistake now just because there's not enough awareness about how to recognize mental health issues. Hopefully, this episode can play some small part in changing that. But I also want to talk about some of the things that you can do to make your life easier and more fulfilling if you do have this disorder. And this will also help if there's somebody in your life who's struggling with the disorder as well. First of all, let's get something very clear. Before we even start talking about strategies, we need to talk about mindset. Specifically, we need to adopt a growth mindset. If you believe that you're stuck the way you are, then that's the first obstacle you have to overcome. While, yeah, it's true that you do have certain challenges to face, you're not doomed to stay the way that you are. History is chocked full of giants who suffered from all kinds of mental health disorders. They had mountains in their paths, just like you do, but they found ways to conquer them. Society is structured for people to live and act a certain way. Those of us who have different wiring in our heads, we're not going to fit perfectly into that mold. We're just not built for it. And that's tough to learn to cope with, but it's really a blessing in disguise in the long run. Because we think differently, we can get different results. We're not stuck in the same way of thinking as everyone else, and we can see things that they can't. And while simple everyday tasks may give us more trouble than they do everybody else, We're also equipped to handle other things that most people can't even get their heads around. So before we go any further, let's remember to look at our mental health struggles for what they really are. They're not a death sentence. They're not a failure. They're not a guarantee of mediocrity. They are an opportunity. They are a chance for us to learn. They give us a chance to become stronger and more self-aware than the average person ever will. So stop beating yourself up just because you struggle with something. You're not weak because you struggle with the simple daily things that come easily to everyone the fact that you do get through them when they are so difficult that makes you so much stronger than you give yourself credit for overcoming mental health disorders leaves you with a self-awareness and strength that most people just don't have now like i said i have done a good bit of research and i think that there is some value here that being said everybody is a little bit different Um, some things are going to work better for some people and other things are going to work better for the rest I advise you to adopt the spirit of a mad scientist who's always looking for the next big discovery. If one technique doesn't work well for you, or if getting your life together proves harder than you thought it would, just keep at it. If you stick with it long enough, you will eventually stumble onto something that clicks for you. Don't give up if the first couple things that you try don't work for you. Or even if you've been struggling with this for a long time, don't think that you're stuck there. Like, There's always more things to try. There's always more strategies, more solutions. There's always something else out there. Now, according to Tamara Rozier, PhD, um, great author too, Um, she says that ADHD causes problems with your memory, your focus, your emotional sensitivity, and one of the classic symptoms is issues with organization and time management. In her book, she goes into a lot of detail about how the biggest challenge that people with ADHD face is the strategies that work best for them. It's not an issue of... Willpower Actually, you know, functioning in our society with any kind of mental disorder, it takes a lot more willpower than it does for the average person. So if you struggle with anything like this, just remember that you're up against a lot more than most people realize. Your brain is wired to pay too much attention to everything going on all at once. Everything jumps out screaming for you to be distracted every single second. And you might as well be in a war zone 24-7. One of the things that a lot of people with ADHD learn is that they perform a lot better When there's a strong sense of anxiety pushing them forward and that emotion gives them just enough of a boost to actually focus on something and so if they become stressed out enough over something that fear provides the stimulation that they need to actually fixate on something for a while and because of this and the fact that people with adhd feel that everyday tasks are much more challenging and mind numbing than most people it leads to a lot of procrastination a lot of anxiety and a lot of last-minute cramming now Relying on stress and anxiety to get things done has very negative long-term consequences. Living in constant anxiety does so much harm to the body, and that's actually something that I'm going to be getting into a lot over the next couple weeks, but for now, just understand that stress plays havoc on your system, and it can cause a lot of issues, so relying on stress is not a good long-term strategy. You need to work with actually alleviating stress as much as possible, managing stress. Just learning that stress management and how to rely on practical systems is going to be your best bet. Those with the disorder rely on emotions to think and remember. They, they use the emotional centers in their brains like they did brain scans and they, they saw that people with ADHD, they, they use the emotional aspects of their brain to remember things more than like the prefrontal cortex like most of us do. Because of that, their emotions are constantly on high and it's easier if you're using your emotions to remember something. It's, it's a lot more likely to be overwhelming for you. So let's talk about some strategies for just a second. There's a problem that I've run into over and over again in my own life. And with people that I've coached in the past, when you make a habit of doing things a certain way, it's really difficult to change. Any new strategies that you introduce, they feel forced and unnatural at first. They feel mechanical. And most of the time you forget to even do them. And I've noticed that when, that even if I knew that something could probably help me in the long run, It's really difficult to get myself to stick with it. Then when I'm working with other people, I notice that whenever I tell them to do something new and uncomfortable, I get resistance and reasons why it won't work. But here's the deal. If you want new results, you have to do new things. You can't try these things for a day and then throw your hands in the air and say that they don't work and you quit. You can't give 2% effort for a week and then decide, well, this isn't it. Changing your life takes time. You have to undo all those old habits that you spent your whole life Building, it's not going to take a whole life to undo those and build new habits, but it is going to take some work. You're going to have to focus on making those small steps every day and celebrating those wins. That doesn't mean that you can't make progress quickly, but it means that just because you're up against a lot and because it's difficult and because you're not necessarily making huge leaps and bounds forward, that doesn't mean that you don't stop and appreciate that. That doesn't mean that you don't celebrate those little victories. Changing your life it takes time and effort. You have to undo all of that, all of those habits, all of that programming that you've been building forever, and you have to develop new neural pathways in your brain. That's going to take you outside of your comfort zone. Now, at the end of the day, maybe what I share isn't what clicks for you. It, it might not, but that doesn't mean that you stop. I recommend that you try it, but that doesn't mean you stop there if it doesn't work. Even if you give an honest effort, and after you know a couple of weeks, it's still it's it's not any noticeable change at all, and it's still difficult. Okay, maybe try something else. Take responsibility for your own healing. I personally have struggled with OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder, since I was six. And it wasn't until I was 25 that I found a strategy that actually worked. That's a long time. And that's why I do this show, because dealing with mental health issues is so frustrating. And dealing with your own psychology, or with other people is frustrating as well. There's not an owner's manual for your brain out there. If we want to improve, we have to really push ourselves past the known and into the realm of potential, which is also the realm of chaos and uncertainty and fear. Our lives feel safe here because it's familiar and outside of our line of sight, all, all that is out there is darkness, chaos, and uncertainty. But like I've talked about before, chaos equals potential. We have to be willing to venture out into those uncharted waters to explore new possibilities if we want to bring back real and lasting change. And you can do this in baby steps if you need to, but you have to do it. So give these strategies an honest effort. If they don't work, see them as stepping stones to something else, not as a failure. There are opportunities to learn. And there's lots of things that you can try, and I can't possibly cover everything, but uh, if you need to keep exploring on your own, do that. Don't confine yourself to one lesson, to, to my podcast, or to one thing. Take responsibility for your healing. You need to become a scientist conducting experiments on yourself. Try everything that might work and see each setback and failure as a teachable moment. So let's start with the basics. Before we talk about strategies, just let me remind you how important your mindset is. If you want to grow, you have to develop a growth mindset. Forget what you've been told about your limitations, about your potential. If you spent your whole life hearing that you're lazy, undisciplined, or destined to fail, it's time to prove all of those idiots wrong. You need to get your head right and remember that you, like all human beings, have the potential to learn. You can learn new things. Level 20 might look like it's really far ahead of you if you're starting off at level one. But level two isn't so far away, and you don't have to understand how you're gonna get to those long-term goals necessarily, you just have to focus on what's right in front of you. You might have a crippling disorder, but that doesn't mean that you can't try one new thing at a time. Before you know it, you'll look back and realize that all those little steps added up to miles and miles of progress. So even if it does seem overwhelming, just remember that if you can commit to improving yourself by just 1% every day, that's all you need. Just take each tiny step as they come and celebrate that continual process. Keeping this growth mindset can keep us from avoiding the unknown. When we accept that the chaos of potential is something that we need to embrace, that keeps us from getting stuck in the same old rut that we've been living in all this time. Adding new experiences breaks that vicious cycle that's been keeping us a prisoner. We can have a different life. Our anxiety is going to try to make us believe that we need to be anxious all the time. It's going to try to trick us into thinking that bad things are going to happen as soon as we let our guard down. But as we start relying on systems and we start venturing out into those uncharted waters, we start to slowly develop our self-esteem and our confidence in our ability to change and our ability to solve problems as they come up. Those with ADHD often have issues with perfectionism. And let's remember that Something might not be perfect, but it might be the best that we can do at our current level. If it's the best that you can do right now, it's, it's perfect. Practice doing your best and then letting it go so that you can move on to other things. Accepting where you currently are is the best way to help yourself level up. Realizing that you have certain limitations, um, it allows you to develop a plan for upgrading yourself. If you expect level 30 perfection when you're still a level 3, You're going to get stuck trying to accomplish something that you can't at the moment. Level three perfection is still perfection. There's a fantastic book called Perfectly Imperfect that I read a few years ago. And the quote goes, when you realize that you've fallen out of integrity with yourself and your commitment to practice, well done. You've seen through the cloud of unconsciousness to clarity and you've opened the portal of your awareness to step on the mat and begin again with intentionality. If you realize that you've gotten stuck and off track, if you realize that you've messed up, you've spaced out, you've lost sight of the goal, that's a good thing because you've gained an awareness of yourself that you didn't have before. Don't worry about what you've missed. Shift your attention to what you're creating now in this present moment into the next. Those with ADHD have a really hard time focusing on things that aren't interesting to them because there's so many distractions. And that's an obstacle to overcome, but the other side of the coin is that they can also hyper-focus on things that do grab their attention. Maybe you can't stay on track in math class, but you'll spend hours playing music uh, without realizing that it's four in the morning. And you know, there's there's things that you can do to help you focus on doing the boring things, but start by trying to shift as much of your life as possible to the things that inspire you. You're gonna have you're going to have the focused attention of a high grade laser for a couple things. So lean into that. Leverage that ability to hyper focus and become really good at the things that you're actually interested in. Our society is fixated on creating worker drones to carry out the same boring tasks over and over again, like robots. There's nothing wrong with you for not fitting into that. You're not designed to be a cog in the machine. You have a higher calling, so make the most of it. Find what excites you and start building your life around it. Master that skill and make yourself into somebody who can provide value in a way that no one else can. If you need some inspiration, just do a Google search for all the revolutionary scientists and artists and entrepreneurs and visionaries that had ADHD or other mental disorders. We think differently than other people. That seems like a disadvantage when we're kids because we don't fit into that cookie cutter society, but as adults we have the ability to do things that nobody else can. Our brains work differently, so instead of feeling bad that we're not normal, quote-unquote, let's start accomplishing things the way that normal people can only dream of. If you have ADHD, people people with this disorder, they have the ability to hyperfocus because of the emotional involvement that they have in everything. Like I said, they use the emotional centers of their brain more. Sometimes that sucks because they are more easily stressed out and overwhelmed because they, they, they feel that more. But... There's also a hypersensitivity when it comes to certain feelings. Small things might trigger large feelings of insecurity, unfortunately, and inadequacy and self-esteem issues. So like little rejections might be blown up out of proportion and seem like a big deal. And this reminds me of how with OCD, sometimes I struggle with feeling like the most um, minor body language is an indication that I've extremely upset somebody over something stupid since people with ADHD have a, have challenges with their short-term memory, what a lot of them do is use negative emotions to help them remember. They associate things like losing their car keys with very negative emotions. And, you know, that way the thought of losing their car keys is tied to that emotional pathway. So they get really stressed out and there's a lot of anxiety about losing their car keys. And that keeps them from losing the car keys, but it also creates a lot of stress in their mind. And that's basically a brain hack that they've discovered to, to kind of overcome that challenge I don't think everybody with a disorder does it but it it, it seems to be a, a common thing um, and it's basically a way to overcome the issues of a improperly working short-term memory and while that's extremely helpful at, at, at the, the basic level it can also cause a lot of unnecessary emotion over seemingly, minor things. So since they feel emotions more strongly, that means that it's a lot harder for them to control them. So lashing out is not necessarily because they don't have control, it's because they're struggling with a lot more emotion than most people realize that they are. So if you're around someone who has it, you know, try to be patient with that, understand that they're dealing with a lot. If you are struggling with that, try to learn how to, you know, manage your own emotions, but also ask yourself, is this really an appropriate response? Because if you get some space from it, you might realize, hey, that really wasn't a big deal. I didn't need to freak out over it. And so you start training yourself to kind of be a little bit more controlled. But I think that most people who do experience that level of emotion, they, they have a difficult time dealing with it anyway. It's not that that person um, is, you know, lacks that self-control necessarily. It's that if a, if I think that if a normal person dealt with that level of emotion, they would act the same way, if not worse. So it's not necessarily something to be ashamed of it, but it is something to work through. It's something that. You know, a lot of times the intensity of that emotion is out of place. That's something that you need to learn to start paying attention to. There's nothing wrong with being passionate and excited and energetic. It's just about managing those emotions and learning to keep them at an acceptable level. If you do struggle with ADHD, understand that typical memorization and rote learning is probably not going to be your wheelhouse. You'll need to find ways to engage with the information, um, ways that are going to seem unusual to everyone else. The more that you can play and experiment with the information, the better. You might also find that because of your divergent thinking, you're able to see things, you're able to see creative ways of connecting information and solving problems that other people can't. So, if you can, try to find a career that allows you to lean into this out of the box kind of thinking. Um, that's not always an option. So, if it's not, at least look for ways inside your current job that you can exercise your natural talents. So. Maybe you can really lean into problem solving, managing, or, you know, people watching, et cetera. Whatever, whatever you can find about the job that actually does excite you, that you can lean into, and you can get really good at that one particular thing, then maybe you're not the best overall employee, but you're extremely valuable in at least one aspect. Um, that being said, that remember, that the devil is in the details. So you don't have to become a, a typical convergent type thinker. But it would pay for you to train yourself to start paying attention to the details even just a little bit. Not all of life is stimulating and exciting, unfortunately. Now, while you should lean into your strengths as much as possible, still practice doing the things that are going to challenge you like organization and daily planning. Paying attention to people also is a vital skill. Once you realize how dynamic and confusing people are, watching them and trying to peel back the layers of you know who they are can really turn into something pretty extraordinary it can take those monotonous boring conversations and turn them into a gold mine of observations if you really learn to pay attention that that was kind of what got me started down this um, path that i'm on now honestly it was that i learned that when you pay attention to people and you try like you can turn it into a game like even boring conversations become interesting and one thing you should especially pay attention to as a divergent thinker is how people react to you, when the rabbit holes that you tend to go down get deep and unpredictable, um, for a lot of us, it is fun to live in those ways of thinking, but it's also important to learn when to pull back and kind of keep everybody else from getting stressed out because our sporadic way of thinking can have that effect on people. And remember, if you just if you do struggle with the disorder, just because you are struggling with it doesn't mean that there's something wrong with you, you have a different wiring and you're living in a world that's not necessarily suited for you or a society that's not exactly, there's going to be challenges, but that doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with you. So don't get frustrated and beat yourself up when things don't go right. Learning to think in a different way is a skill. So like in terms of getting good at the, 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 the monotonous daily things that you find boring that are hard to focus on, that's a, that's a skill. Um, you might be starting from negative 10 instead of 1 where everybody else is. But it's something that you have the potential to get better at if you practice it and you have the right strategies, which I'm I'm about to get to. So what can you start with? Uh, What I always suggest is that you start with the little things that you're overlooking right now. If you look around, you can probably see that there's things in your life that are stressing you out because you take the long, difficult road to complete them. Bills, chores, mundane responsibilities, stuff like that, that that you're procrastinating Because doing anything uninteresting takes a lot more focus for you than most people, those boring tasks feel like they're going to be exhausting. Sometimes they are exhausting, even if they seem normal to everybody else. Paying the bills is going to be a huge undertaking because paying attention on something so normal for that long is going to use up all your energy and wear you out. Cleaning the bathroom It's not that simple. It involves resisting countless urges to get sidetracked and carried away with whatever happens to pop in your head. These things are what you should lean into in order to practice your everyday skills. Break those things down into the smallest possible components and celebrate every little step that you complete as an accomplishment. So to break it down, you know, cleaning the bedroom, for example, becomes make the bed, organize a nightstand, put your laundry away, vacuum. Making the bed is much more concrete and less intimidating than a vague task like, I'm going to go clean the room. Now you know exactly what you need to do. And to be fair, I don't know many people my age who actually put their laundry away. Um, But if you can break these boring tasks down into smaller parts, it makes it seem less intimidating is what I'm driving at. If you write them down and cross them off one by one, even better, because every time you complete something, that's a reason to celebrate that makes you feel better about yourself. It's encouragement. And you've probably spent most of your life criticizing yourself for struggling with those things. So you might be surprised... To see what happens when you start rewarding yourself, congratulating yourself, and using positive reinforcement instead. Instead of beating yourself up for not doing everything, you start to congratulate yourself and say, you know what? That was really difficult, but I did one or two things. You know, I got started. I, I tried. I made a real effort, and I did this. You know, so what if you don't finish it? I hardly ever clean my entire bedroom in one go. I don't think anybody does. I think only crazy people actually clean their entire house in one go. So try doing these things when you have the most energy as well. Um, So, for example, for me, early mornings and shortly after dinner are when I have the most energy. If I wait till about 1.30 to 3.30 in the afternoon to do something it's not going to get done. I fall into a slump in that time. It's my siesta. It's going to be different for everyone, but use your body's natural rhythms to your advantage. So do all the hard stuff when you're most able to do it. Because you have a hard time prioritizing emotions, remember that minor events can seem more stressful than they need to be. So overcoming your emotional responses is going to be a big challenge for you. Learning to recognize stress as nothing more than a feeling learning to detach and evaluate the source of that stress objectively, that can become a superpower with practice. It may seem like a big deal now, but most people never really work on that. You may find that you actually get so good at that and you take it to such a high level that you know, you're know you leaps and bounds ahead of everyone else. So when something starts to upset you, it's easy to get locked into that emotional response. The more you bring awareness to those episodes and you practice asking yourself, is this really such a big deal this upsetting other people as much as me the better you're going to get at recognizing when something is actually a problem and when it's just an emotional response and that's good practice for anybody because we all do this and i know it feels like a, a huge hurdle to get over but your your brain learns if you stay persistent at it you just that's that's half the battle of staying persistent and for me it was depression i would ask myself is this really so bad or is it really so hopeless and the obvious answer was always no but it would still feel as if it was that bad and so what I had to do was start finding even the smallest good in those situations. It may take practice to see it, but there's always something to be grateful for. If you can't find it, ask. You know, ask the question, and your unconscious is going to answer. Ask yourself, what is the good in this situation? What is, um, what is the positive here? And after some time learning to always look for and focus on the positive, positive got bigger and I actually started to feel it eventually inside of me and not just kind of see it but I actually had a emotional resonance for me and the objective reality was the same but it wasn't as bad as my emotions made me think it was. That applies to everything. When you get overwhelmed it's okay to take a break and catch your breath but the odds are if you start asking for evidence to prove that this isn't so bad you're gonna find it. Your brain's really good at doing that. So relying on negative emotions to motivate you is Part of the reason that you get overwhelmed so easily, the ADHD mind focus is based off of interest, so scary things seem more interesting and they're more likely to not be forgotten and overlooked. So one one thing for dealing with this is to learn to deal with those things before they become urgent emotionally. It's finding ways to make things easier on yourself. I had an English teacher that told me that it's a lot easier to tell yourself I'm gonna sit down and write for 20 minutes than to say that I'm gonna write X number of paragraphs. And that's actually one of the most repeated strategies that i found um, in all of my research was using a timer to do things um, that you don't want to so that you can really break things down into segments of time. And take that takes some of the stress out of it because when you know that you won't have to do something difficult for more than 15, 20 minutes, it really helps to make it seem more manageable. It's easier to sit down and tell yourself, okay, I'm actually going to do this. It's a lot easier to say, uh, and that's the other big thing is that um, procrastination is one of the things that makes things more stressful. It makes things more emotionally overwhelming for people, for for anybody, but especially if you have ADHD. So if you get in the practice of not procrastinating, if you get in the habit of actually managing things as they come up and breaking them down as a small parts and saying, hey, I'm only going to do this for 10, 15, 20 minutes, you don't have to do all of it that same day. But the more that you can get in the habit of dealing with things as they come up, the less those things are gonna seem emotional and stressful. They may seem draining and boring and difficult to focus on um, still, but at least you're knocking out chunks of it. You're, you're not having to deal with the whole thing coming at you at once right before it's due. You're able to just do a little bit at a time. It's okay to take small steps. When you struggle with anxiety, remember to train yourself to pay attention to your body. You automatically start changing your body language when you're stressed. You start breathing more shallow, you start tensing up. Change that stuff you know, take deeper breaths, relax that tension. In the book, your brain is not broken. She talks about a great strategy for dealing with procrastination, uh, perfectionism and stuff like that. She talks about having conversations with your past and future self thinking, what can I do right now to help my future self? This ties into what I talk about um, how you're a community, you know, you don't exist in isolation, you have to always deal with the consequences of your mistakes. And a lot of times it can be easier to motivate yourself to do something if instead of thinking, oh, well, this isn't such a big deal now, you realize, hey, I'm actually doing my future self a favor. I'm saving stress from um, or I'm saving tomorrow's version of me from this stress. So dealing with mental health issues obviously can be difficult. But the way that we look at it makes all the difference in the world. If you can learn to see it as an interesting challenge to be figured out and overcome, you start acting like you're playing a game and things become much more interesting. The best advice I received before going to boot camp was always remember that this is all a game. The, the more you can turn the difficult, repetitive things into mental games, the easier it gets. Breaking that 10-mile run up until i just got to make it to that tree. And then I've got to make it to the next tree. Um, or treating the super repetitive things as a challenge to see, like, how fast can I go? It starts to activate that flow state that we talked about a while back. That was one of the ways that you can get into it. And when you approach life in this way, it responds by becoming more fun and easier to deal with. It becomes a challenge. The more questions that you can ask yourself about yourself, the better. Ask, how do I think? How do I react to things? How do I motivate myself? When do I overreact? When do I look back on things that I regret? Um, And what did that feel like as I was going through it? What did the beginning of that scenario look like? And what strategies do I use the most often? And what is the outcome of those? A lot of times we use strategies over and over again that do not get us the outcome that we want because we just don't take the time to really think about it. The more of your patterns that you can identify, the the better equipped that you're going to be to change them. You have to know where you're starting off in order to get somewhere different. You can't plot a course and get directions without a starting point. Not every strategy is going to work the same for everyone. So you have to be willing to experiment and to try new things. Reach out to people that have been successful in overcoming these obstacles and try to see what they did. But understand that you might have a different journey than them. All right. um, Like I said, I'm going to be throwing a lot of kind of random stuff at you. Practicing gratitude and thinking of what you're proud of, you know, giving yourself that little pat on the back, thinking about things that you're excited about, you know, looking towards the future. Noticing those things, the more that you can notice those positive things, it's kind of like um, a social media algorithm. The more you engage with that content, that positive stuff, the more the algorithm is going to throw at you. It's very important that you you are as easy on your biology as you can be. So start by getting really good sleep. Um, eat healthy. The healthier lifestyle you live, the better. So go into sleep early if you can. Um, identifying what triggers you have. And establishing boundaries to keep people from hitting them. That seems kind of obvious, but a lot of times we don't do it. Practice getting out of the right now feeling of that, that, that hamster wheel that we get stuck on. So focus more on your long-term health than on what's right in front of you. Uh, because when you look at things in the long term, a lot of times you'll realize, that, hey, this really isn't such a big deal that I'm freaking out over right now. Remember that ADHD manifests in different ways. So some people are going to thrive off of that manic emotional energy, and some people are going to do anything that they can to avoid it. Try to evaluate the story that you tell yourself. You know, Are you telling yourself that you're disabled, or are you telling yourself that you're working through something? Are you telling yourself that you're dumb, that you're at a disadvantage, or whatever? If that's what you're telling yourself, then that's what you're going to manifest in your life. That's that's the script that your brain is going to act out. So if you realize that you're telling yourself these negative things, it's time to stop that. Every time you start getting locked into that negative way of thinking, take a pause and force yourself out of it. Physically do something different, like move your body to make yourself feel differently. Um, and when you make yourself feel differently, then it's easier to make yourself think differently instead of just trying to, like, you can't think your way out of a disorder. You have to, you have to get your whole body and your whole lifestyle involved in it. Um, a lot of people talked about how the majority of adults with ADHD are not overtly hyperactive but they are hyperactive internally. It's, a, it's more of a mental thing. And just like any other mental health disorder, there's not necessarily a cure, but there's ways to manage it. A lot of this comes down to lifestyle changes, mindset changes, and strategy changes. And uh, driven to distraction, they talk about how a lot of people are very smart. A lot of people with ADHD are very smart. It's just that, smart. it's just that their smartness gets tangled up inside and undoing that tangle takes patience and perseverance. So After spending your whole life being told you're lazy, unfocused, bad, or whatever else, there's a good chance you probably have some self-esteem issues as well to work through, and that's gonna take some time. But try to remember what Tony Robbins says about self-esteem. He says that it's not something that comes from anybody else. Instead, it's the reputation that you have with yourself. It's called self-esteem. And because it's how you see yourself, if it's damaged, you heal it by building a better reputation with yourself. You do the hard things when you don't want to. You use positive reinforcement when you talk to yourself. You take steps in the right direction. You cut toxic people out of your life. You start building evidence to prove to yourself that you're smart, that you can focus, and you lock in on those good things. Any any small victory that you make, you lock in on it, and those good things eventually become almost all that you can see because they magnify more and more the more energy you give to them. The more research that you can do about the disorder, the better. Um, I don't have nearly enough time to really get into like, all of it. i try to give you guys a basic overview. Um, but any disorder that you have, the more knowledge you have of it, the better. And the, part of the reason for this is that you're now taking responsibility for it. You're taking control over it. You're learning about it. You're accepting that it's there. Um, and you may feel overwhelmed, but you're doing something. Even if you feel like the obstacles are insurmountable, learning is a tangible step that you can take. And with the increased understanding, your confidence is going to grow as well. And it, it also teaches you to be a little bit nicer to yourself because you start to understand what you're really up against and that it is actually something pretty big. Again, in Driven to Distraction is a great book. Um, they use the metaphor of being nearsighted quite a bit. So if you're struggling in school because you can't see, that doesn't make you dumb. It means that you need glasses. Uh, and just like that, somebody with... Um, who needs glasses that that can't focus on the reading assignment, somebody with ADD or ADHD, they need those metaphorical glasses as well. And those glasses come in the form of strategies or sometimes medication, but you shouldn't feel bad for needing those glasses. You shouldn't be ashamed of it. With ADHD, your brain works differently than everybody else's. So since your brain works differently, that gives you a different perspective than everybody else, and it allows you to see the world differently. And that's all creativity is at the end of the day. It's the ability to to connect the dots in a different way than anybody else. The gift of creativity is one that everybody seems to long for. And what begins as a challenge to fit in um, to an outdated school system eventually becomes the potential to thrive in a very rapidly evolving world. So you shouldn't beat yourself up for not fitting into the copy and paste society that we live in. So many artists thinkers, inventors, scientists, and revolutionaries have struggled with some sort of mental health issue. They've learned how to leverage what sets them apart to their advantage. They've learned how to transmute all those um, issues into a unique and powerful perspective. And that was one of the things that really encouraged me um, in dealing with bipolar disorder because there's a lot of people, there's a lot of successful people who have bipolar disorder, like very creative people. And I was like, I feel a little bit better knowing that I'm a part of a community of people, you know, even if I'm not at that level, it's nice to know that they overcame it so I know that I can overcome it too. And what do all those creative people have in common? They break the rules. They always break the rules. But before they can break the rules, they have to learn the rules. The best artists have mastered their craft and they learned all the ins and outs before they start going off in their own direction. So a musician will spend years mastering the chords, the scales, and all the classical works of other great artists. They'll have a deep understanding of music theory, um, and of this um, out of this expertise, they begin to understand when something makes sense and when it doesn't. And once they reach that level, they can do whatever they want, and it sounds amazing. However, when someone who doesn't know a single scale tries to do whatever they want, it sounds bad to everybody except for them. And you have to learn how to confine yourself to certain structures in order to be successful. So when you hear a virtuoso like Steve Vai play guitar, you can tell that he's very creative and expressive, but that freedom comes from structure. It comes from staying within certain parameters. When you learn the structures, then you can play within them freely and it makes sense. If you start going outside of those boundaries, all of it collapses and it becomes a very jumbled mess. The problem for those with ADHD is that those boundaries are really hard to learn. The structure and order feels very unnatural. It's difficult to pay attention to those boring old rules. And it feels like if you confine yourself to that, you're stunting your creativity. That's not the case though. In order to really make the most of your natural gifts, you have to learn to develop some structure in your life. That needs to be your focus. It needs to be what you give the most of your energy to. It's gonna be hard. I'm not saying it isn't, but that's what you need to fixate on. Actually, in all of the research that I've ever done on mental health, like any mental health issue, structure is the like probably the most prominent recurring theme. You may have a brain that can go a million miles a minute, but if you can't steer that vehicle, you'll spend all day racing every which way only to find out that you are eventually going to collapse exhausted exactly where you started. So bringing structure into your life is not going to hurt your creativity or make you less of who you are. It's going to be a tool that helps you become the best version of yourself. The difference between your parents and teachers trying to impose their structure on you um, and now is that... Now you're making a choice to do this. You get to see this as a challenge. You get to experiment and find what works for you instead of trying to fit into what society says should work for you. So how do you build a structure in a chaotic life? Again, you're going to have to experiment and you know make this a journey of personal growth and discovery, but there are a few things that I would recommend starting with. These are some things that I've either heard multiple sources talk about or I've personally had some success with. So first, you need to have a routine. Having a routine is incredibly powerful. Successful people always have a routine. Knowing what you're going to do and when you're going to do it, it takes a lot of stress off of your brain. And you can conserve a lot of, like a tremendous amount of energy when you let habit take over. That's what habit's for, is to take the stress and energy away. It doesn't have to be boring, but you also shouldn't start off with anything too complicated. Um, If every day looks completely different, it overwhelms your brain, basically. Uh, because you don't get settled into a rhythm. If you know, if on the other hand, you know that every day between 10 and 11:30 you're going to be doing all of those things that your ADHD brain hates, like paying bills and setting appointments and household chores and emails, all that good stuff, it becomes much easier on you. You know that that's, that's your allotted time every day. And like I said, also earlier, you know, there's certain times of day that are more productive for you. You have more energy. You should try to lean into those as much as you can. And but when you have it all consolidated to one spot, instead of those things being moving targets that are flying all over the place, now they're right next to each other, um, and you can knock them down one at a time. Feel good about it and move on. And then you know that anything you don't do. Um, today, you're going to finish and pick it up tomorrow at that, that same time. Second is reminders. With ADHD, it's, you're likely going to find it very difficult to keep track of time and to remember to do things. So paying your bills and keeping doctor's appointments becomes just a monumental task because you just don't remember it. To help yourself out, and this is something that I do relate to. Like I said, I don't have the disorder, but this is something I really struggle with. So to help yourself out, and I've been doing this to practice what I preach, it's been a tremendous benefit in the last couple weeks. Honestly, I'm gonna, I'm definitely going to keep doing it. Um, use the crap out of your reminders and appointment apps that you have on your phone. Like Use them religiously. There's, there's a lot of... Um, there's actually a couple apps that are designed specifically for ADHD. You might be perfectly fine with whatever comes stock on your phone, though. I've made it a point to put everything that I'll need to remember to do into my reminders app with the time and description. And then I just forget about it. And now like this, it's been so much stress off of my mind. It really has like, all you've got to do, you've just got to actually put it in there. You've got to not procrastinate putting that reminder in, but you know, once it's in there, it goes off when you need to do it and you don't have to stress about it. And this has honestly made such a huge difference in my life. And I don't even have this disorder. I just, I don't have to stress about all those things that I'm juggling anymore because I know that my phone's going to remind me. And the main thing, like I said, though, is just to, to get in the habit of making those reminders as soon as you think about them. Don't procrastinate. It might seem like a lot of work because it's one of those boring daily tasks that you have to do, but you'll really be setting yourself up for success in the long run. Just remember that you're doing yourself a big favor or you're doing your future self a big favor. Uh, because you are. I'm starting to lose my voice a little bit, guys. It's a long episode, but I'm almost done. I'm getting there. Some people like to write things down and make to-do lists. That's perfectly fine. I've heard a lot of people saying that color coding their notes and reminders can help too, because it does make them more stimulating. I've actually heard several people say that. There's a trick that I like to use that takes me to my next point, and it's really, it's it's very important to prioritize everything. If you have ADHD, everything can seem equally important all the time, you've got to really stop and ask yourself what needs to get done first. So let's say your goal was to clean your room, but the biggest part of that is laundry. Do the laundry first. Make yourself do the laundry first. You know, do socks first. So I break it down into smaller parts. You know, do socks and then shirts. What, whatever you have to do. You don't need to take breaks from doing the laundry to make your bed. I know it seems tempting to do anything else to procrastinate. You don't need to take breaks to vacuum and stare out the, stare out the window only to realize that you need to wash your car. And then you end up at the gas station buying snacks for your hiking trip next week. What I like to do is I put the most important things at the top of my list and do those first because anything time sensitive goes on top. And after that, uh, whatever I feel is just most important. So just things that I would think I'll still feel good about doing even if that's the only thing that I get done. This allows you like, even if you don't finish everything that day, at least you get the most important things done. So even if the room doesn't get cleaned, even if it takes you a lot longer than you thought it would, at least the laundry's done. And that's the biggest portion of that, right? So that's that's a strategy I've been using for a long time. I think I've talked about it before, but I wanted to reiterate it. You need to learn how to build a structure into your life that works for you personally. The more routines, the more automatic reminders, and the more habits that you create, the better. This takes a huge load off of your mind. Again, using organizational apps allows you to kind of outsource your memory to your phone. I mean, that's not something you're good at, so why why rely on your memory if it's not something that works too well? I mean obviously if you can do things to strengthen your memory that's that's great but i I wouldn't advise stressing yourself out over something that you're not good at try to get better at the things that you suck at like those daily tasks like i said but understand that that's not where you're going to shine so it doesn't mean that you avoid responsibilities but don't base your life around those things you know remember the example of einstein's fish if you judge a fish on its ability to climb a tree it's going to spend its whole life believing that it's stupid so stop judging yourself based off of the same metrics as people without ADHD. A couple more parting words. Make sure that exercise is a part of your routine, a daily, like a, a very frequent part of your life. Last but definitely not least, just to touch on this again, sleep is going to be so important. Sleep is so important for, for everybody, but especially if you have mental health issues. Make sure you get enough quality sleep. And real quick, just the last thing is going to be talking about nutrition. I'm not going to be able to go in-depth into anything today. I am working on an episode dedicated to eating for mental health. I'm just going to give you guys a couple quick little tips. These are things I advise, I advise you look into them yourself. Not everything's going to work for everybody. Uh, but here's a few things that seemed consistent over a lot of different sources that they, a lot of people recommended. So I'm going to recommend that you look into them as well. Do some research into them, figure out what might work for you, and then maybe start experimenting with things. If you have any kind of health conditions or, or taking medications, some of these I think may interact with them potentially. So like reach out to your doctor before you take them. But real quick, zinc, vitamin D, iron, maybe, as long as you don't have too much of it. Omega-3 or fish oil is a, is a good one. Ashwagandha, that's one that I use personally. It's A-S-H-W-A-G-A-N-D-A. I think it's from India or something. It's great for like kind of helping you calm down. Lion's mane mushroom, magnesium supplements, and B12 as well. Also, meditation, yoga, and frequent exercise have been shown to be of a lot of help with people with ADHD. So don't forget that your lifestyle has an enormous impact on your health, getting enough sleep, Eating right, living a healthy lifestyle, that can go a long way towards keeping your brain healthy, which in turn makes you healthy. Try to focus on building good structure in your life. I know it's going to be hard, but make that your single-minded focus, to build structure in your life. Just make sure that it's something that works for you personally. Use positive reinforcement. Use those reminders like I talked about. If you guys have any questions, reach out to me on Instagram, or you can go to my website and email me that way. I hope I didn't ramble too much. I hope there was some good information in there. And there's definitely a lot that I left out. So if you have follow-up questions, reach out to me. Either way, guys, I wish you the best. Thank you so much for listening. Good luck.